You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back, everybody, to the Oz Network as we once again cover an episode of Third Watch. We are now into the ninth episode of the fifth season. This one is called Ticket Gross Brooklyn. First aired on the 5th of December 2003. It was written by Angela Amato Velez, directed by Gloria. Muzio and um, an interesting episode this one uh, lots to talk about as always my name is Ben and we're going to be Goomba buddies <laughs> whatever that means my name is Darvell and oh man we might have just killed Grandmama Dog no not Grandmama Dog she's my favourite Grandmother Dog what um, <laughs> yeah this this episode oh, okay <laughs> it's very Grace Foster um, like I don't know really what more to add on this we, we kind of do get an introduction to um, a, sort of an ongoing character that we will have for a little bit uh, for a few episodes I guess um, and more of Carlos's family hunt really is kind of what this episode's about um so don't know if you haven't really yeah yep don't know if you have anything to add that's 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 it that's the episode overall all right that's it done what do we want to do buy it rent it or bin it uh (laughs) (laughs) now let's go through it like we always do so we've got bosco and munro (laughs) driving around bosco's reading a book and saying that you can um get tickets for feeding pigeons and i do kind of like how munro's like oh those poor hungry pigeons um and uh Munro he's like oh is that my boy Zeke and kind of sees someone and pulls up we see kind of a shot of a laundry van in the uh distance as well kind of a bit of foreshadowing what's going on there um Carlos in the car with uh Doc and Carlos saying that I can't get a handle on you lately you know you're up you're down and everything you know I just don't understand you kind of again Carlos speaking for the audience I think really at this point um <laughs> okay hey can um, if I if I can interject here, when he said that, you know, you said you're <laughs> you're gonna kill me for this. Uh-oh. Um, when he said when he said, you know, you're you're up, you're up, you're down. For some reason, I am, and I've only heard this song once. I immediately thought of "Hot and Cold" by Katy Perry. <laughs> okay, like, come on, don't tell me, don't tell me you didn't. Yeah, hot. Because he used cold, some of the yes and your no, your. You're up and you're down. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, don't tell me you didn't think that at least once. I, I didn't. What, you heard him say that. <laughs> up and down, no. When I think of up and down, Darville, I don't generally think of Katy Perry, but maybe you do because you like her a little bit. So, you know, good for you. Whatever floats your boat. <laughs> well, no. Oh, <laughs> well, no. I've only, like I said, I'm not a hundred, I'm not like really, really familiar with her, but I know little bits of that song. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I don't dislike Katy Perry. She's, yeah. she's decent. Um, you know, she's not my favorite. She's not my least favorite. So yeah, she is around. Um, good for her. Yeah. She seems like a nice person. Uh, hello, Katy Perry, if you're listening. I know you're a big Third Watch fan. Um, so Carlos is, though. Awesome. If she was, maybe she'd get some support on it. Carlos is, uh, saying that he's going to go see Vanjie's sister. Uh, because she's the only one, essentially, that uh, she knows is a relative uh, on that side of things. Uh, meanwhile, back where Munro and Bosco are, Bosco's riding up a guy uh, for parking on a fire hydrant, and this is where Munro, like, pulls the phone off Zeke, and it's like, no, that's my grandma. It's like, hey, grandma, how you doing? Oh, man, might have killed grandma dog. Um, this is <laughs> definitely one of those moments where I love Sasha. Like, she's got the yes. sass. Like, should we call her Sasa? Sasa Munro, because she definitely brings a lot of sass to it. 
Definitely. I mean, we talk so much about. Definitely. We talk so much about how, you know, Munro is like a bit of a, you know, middle of the road sort of, you know, plain sort of doesn't have a lot of layers. But when she has a moment, she's fun. Like, you, you never, I don't think you ever dislike Munro. Um, no. I just don't think you ever go out of your way to purely love her. I mean, I know if Brandy was on this episode, she's a big fan of Munro. So, um, yeah. So, but, uh, you know, Munro has a moment. This is definitely one of those moments for Munro. Um, Absolutely. They, uh, meanwhile, uh, Bosco riding up this guy in the hydrant. Uh, there's a fight sort of going on, a disagreement going on outside the restaurant. And Bosco is basically saying, I don't see it. Uh, and then Munro is like, we're taking this case. Um, and they go up to this, uh, argument. And essentially, like, I, I guess this is a New York thing that you have people who you hire to come and put tablecloths and laundry and linen on tables at restaurants uh possibly i don't know if that's an american thing or maybe it's just a new york thing uh and we've got this young kid who is essentially saying this has got our logo on it these belong to us um and then uh, the guy who owns a restaurant is like look they're on our tables they're our property uh and then this guy uh who runs the laundry company um he discovers that bosco's last name is boscarelli uh, and then he sort of, you know, essentially accuses him because he's got an Italian name that he's, uh, you know, in cahoots with this owner guy. Um, and yeah, it's kind of interesting that they sort of bring up this sort of episode really starts to bring up Bosco's Italian heritage, doesn't it? So it really does something that's never really been explored too much over the course of, uh, you know, this show really. Um, Bosco gets angry at this guy and he's basically like, you know, if you want to file a police report, Oh, no, sorry, that's Munro. He's like, if you want to file a police report, I'll listen, because Bosco is just angry at this guy and doesn't want to listen. And this guy takes a card and kind of gets in his car. You think this is going to be all over with as Bosco and Munro uh, walk away, but then this guy drives, decides to uh, drive into the restaurant, basically, and crash through it in anger. So um, that's one way to handle the situation, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yep, and you just want... And you wanted to get out. Yeah. it's it's At the end of the day, it's kind of like the last two episodes have really shown us that uh, the writers must have been playing a lot of Grand Theft Auto uh, between these episodes. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, def- yep. Yeah. Probably so. Yeah, exactly. Um, which, I mean, is fine. Grand Theft Auto is a great game. Uh, but, you know, driving into buildings, running it. over people. <laughs> so... Yeah, I don't know. Shooting at everyone and everything that moves. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know. Like, it's, 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 I'm not saying it's anything bad with it, but like, I mean, this guy just, it's not one of those over the top moments where it's like, hey, let's explode something, but it's just kind of like the way they crash into this building and then kind of go to the credits. Like, oh, okay, then clearly you got to come back to it. And it's done in a bit funny way, though. Um, so yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Um, so, yeah, we do have the credits, and then we have uh, Davis and Sully are showing up. We find out this guy, he turns around and says, like, I wasn't trying to murder anyone. Um, and then Sully is being overly nice in this situation. He's saying he'll take uh, this collar because he's trying to build up overtime that he's retiring next summer. Uh, but Munro says, no, I want the collar back. Give it back to me. The thing that I always got confused about was kind of, you know, Sully saying that I'm taking retirement next summer. And I kind of always looked at this as like another one of these storylines that kind of goes nowhere. Like Sully doesn't retire. What are you talking about? But I guess if you work out the timeline of kind of where we are right now and when this show ends, technically you could almost say that he does retire when he says he's going to, if you know what I mean. Yes. 
Yep, because, I mean, that, spoiler alert, I mean, that is exactly what happens. Yeah. So, it's kind of, it's, I never kind of worked that out, really, and it's kind of, I feel as though, no matter what had happened in the finale, like, Sully was going to retire anyway, so, but you always wondered, though, like, if this show had gone into a seventh season, obviously Sully probably wouldn't have retired, but would they have addressed that? Would have they said, like, I thought you were going to retire, Sully, but you're not now, or something like that, so, I don't know. Um, or, or... Uh, or, or, you know, they could have, they could have had him, if, if it had gone into a seventh season, they could have had him retire and then, oh, wait. No, no, could, could they have, yeah, yeah, they still could have had, they still could have had him retire. I mean, cause by then Davis wasn't partnered with him anyway, so. Mm, but I mean, like, does, does Skip Sabbath leave the show? Do they write him out completely? Like, I mean, how do you think they would have done that? Probably skip Sutteth leading the leaving leaving the show because I I don't I don't think they or or maybe he makes occasional guest appearances when I don't know Ty goes to visit him or something because I don't think they would have killed the character of Sully off. Yeah, I don't think they would. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like it's kind of interesting. You know, I never think of Third Watch without Skip Sutteth. You know what I mean? Like he he's kind of the. Like, Doc was sort of the moral center for a long time, but I would always argue that Skip Sadath is the narrator of this show. He is, I mean, he ultimately closes it out as the narrator, if you know what I mean. But, uh, yeah. I don't know. Like, if, if Yokus, if Molly Price is the star, then I don't know. Skip Sadath is kind of the grounding of this show. I, don't, I just can't picture it without him. I don't want to picture it without him. <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. Maybe our, our fan. Uh, can uh, give an opinion. <laughs> or Kedes, I'm looking at you, friend. Um, so, yes, so Sully's being nice. He wants to retire. Uh, we then have Carlos waiting around for Vanjie's sister, Haley. Um, he confronts her and basically asks a question, um, you know, can you come down and get tested? And she says that she's got hepatitis C. She got it from a piercing. Um, and th- How do you get that from a piercing? I guess if you are exchanging like if you don't clean off the equipment properly or like maybe she just shared a ring from someone because it's got blood on it like you know like i think it's yeah sterile and things like that like there would be a way of doing it um yeah that's true we find out that she's got no other family either um so you know they're kind of uh both in the same boat really aren't they i i I had to look this up i didn't know if this was the same girl who played Haley back in thick of the water but it is um it's the same actor uh, Amy Hargraves, Hargreaves or Hargraves is her name, um, who actually, and I'm just realising this right now, she plays um, Carrie's sister on Homeland. She's um, Maggie Matheson. So there you go. I'm wondering why she looked a little bit familiar. And apparently, here's one for you, because I think you watch 13 Reasons Why, don't you? She's on 13 Reasons Why. So Yes, I do. I do watch 13 Reasons Why. I'm trying to think of who she's she played, though. Lainey Jensen? Oh yes, 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 yes. The mother of one, of, the mother of one of the kids. Yeah. See, there you go. I haven't watched it yet, but uh, there you go. Like, she actually now looking. I'm looking at the scene right now. I'm looking at her. She actually does look familiar. So, <laughs> it's funny how sometimes it doesn't click until you see their bio where you realise who they are. So, um, yeah, interesting, interesting to see that. Um, so we've got the uh, the young kid back in uh, the police precinct. He's on the phone. Um, to, I guess, his, uh, parents and saying that it's all his fault. He shouldn't have done it. Um, Bosco's still being a dick. And, uh, Munro is uh, sort of this young guy basically says, like, why is he such, you know, an asshole or whatever? And I do love the way Munro is like, because his mother dropped him on purpose. 
It's fun. Sadly, though, it's entirely possible. Well, very true. But, you know, Rose Boscarelli wouldn't drop a baby, would she? <laughs> if she was... If she was drunk, probably. True. I mean, because both, both Rose and whatever his dad's name is, I mean, both of them had problems with alcohol, didn't they? It was just... Yeah. The, oh, Anthony. Yeah, that was his name, right? Anthony. Mm-hmm. He was the... He was the... He was the really he was the aggressive one, but both of them, it's been well established, had problems with drinking. Mm, yeah, yeah, true. Um, this is where we kind of get a bit of a background, I guess, where um, there's a rival company, I guess, I, I, like Alinado runs some other sort of linen-y company, and he's basically trying to force out other people from doing this business. Um, so this is where we first hear the name Alinado. Uh, and then, uh, uh, there's a bit of debate, uh, around giving back the stuff to, um, this guy. And Bosco is essentially saying, like, you look, you know, it's got to go through a process. Cause Bosco, for some reason, is being very much by the book this episode. Bosco's never been by the book, but now apparently he's turned into that way. Uh, and then he kind of utters a line about, you know, how just because he's Italian and my name ends in a vowel, I've got to give this guy some special attention. Um, and he's talking about giving him back dirty laundry, and it's just at this point that this guy's father shows up and is like, that dirty laundry puts food on our table. Um, so, yeah. Perfect timing. Perfect timing. We find out that he's going to get cut loose because uh, the father has offered to pay for all the damages, so the owner of the store isn't going to uh, press any charges. Bosco's not too happy about this, but Swirsky saying that, um, you know, you're going to do this anyway. And then this is where Bosco essentially stands up to Munro and he's like, you know, the difference between you and I is I treat people all the same. You know, it doesn't matter what you look like. Um, and sort of Munro sort of laughs and is like, you wish you knew so, so well. Um, and, you know, sort of, I like the little speech he gives about being Italian. He's like, you know, just because I left the boot or something like that, you know, I don't have olive oil in my veins, you know, and he's like, is this a bit where he says, like, or is it later on, where he's like, I- I'm Italian as you are. It's like, I like two of the three godfathers. I like pizza. Or is that later on? I think it's in this moment. Yeah. I know. That's like a great little line. But I, I think it's, like, it's it's very interesting how they do this because like, I-, I don't know if Jason Wiles' background is Italian. I-, I couldn't say. But I think, I don't know if he goes out of his way to sometimes portray sort of like a bit of a, an Italian style character. Cause you kind of feel like in this episode, and there are some other episodes where you feel as though the Boscarelli name is kind of being played up. Like you do feel he's got a bit of Italian heritage. So I would be very yeah. interested to see if Jason Wilde really is of Italian heritage. And maybe this is why they play that up. Hmm. Maybe that's something you can ask him if you're ever able to get him on the show. Possibly, possibly. Like the the breaking questions. Hey, Jason, welcome to the show. Are you are you Italian? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know, but uh, yeah, I, I I do kind of like this, and it, it kind of does remind me of um, what episode was it in season one? You're good with this, where uh, Bosco is basically saying how he treats everyone the same. You know, like he. That would be this. That would be this band of brothers Thank you. at the very at the very end. It's after the shootout, and actually, um, now that you mention that, Faith, um, when, oh wait, wait, no, no, it's it's not this band of brothers. It's thirty two bullets and a broken. It's heart. the episode where you've um, got the the guy going around shooting all the gay people, isn't it? Like it's that one. Yeah, isn't it? yeah, yeah. Th- thirty thirty two bullets and a broken heart. Yeah, it's that one. Yeah, um, and you know, Faith uh, Bosco's saying about how. You know, he treats everyone equally. I mean, he doesn't doesn't agree. 
hate hates a lot of their lifestyles, but you name one time when I haven't went out of my way to protect everyone, gays included, and Faith goes, you wish you knew yourself that well. Yeah, so that's where it kind of reminds me of it, because it's kind of like a very similar sort of response from uh, Munro. But I, th- I think we talked a little bit about that back in season one. But I mean, in, in all fairness, like, yeah, Bosco drops the inappropriate line here and there and kind of, you know, he's a bit of a bigot every now and then. But like, in all fairness, he he does help people when he has to. So, you know, like, yeah. he kind of does have a point. Um but yeah, so we've got Doc and Carlos now. Carlos obviously is very uh, angry. He's basically saying, like, how can a kid be born into a family so screwed up? And then Doc sort of, I guess, is questioning him, like, you know, how about you try and find your family? And Carlos is like, well, I, you know, they never cared enough to look uh, for me, so why should I care to look for them? And this is where Doc basically is like, well, hey, do you care enough now? So, again, going back to what I was saying last week, I do like the way they kind of set this up and essentially, you know, do it so Carlos is going to have to try and find his family. Uh, Munro, yeah. uh, is questioning, um, this guy. I don't even know if we even know who this guy's name is. Uh, essentially asking him, do you have anything on, uh, Nardo Linen? And we find out that Ali Nardo is all mobbed up, that Nardo is a punk and that eventually he'll fall down and that, uh, your other napkin guy should probably, uh, get a new job, essentially. <laughs> so. <laughs> He's like a chief detective or something, or maybe he works in, maybe he works yeah. for, uh, public decency or whatever the hell it was called a couple of weeks ago when he's just. <laughs> Moral, uh, public morals. Public morals. <laughs> so the... Well, the public decency wouldn't be too far <laughs> off either. So maybe that's where he's come from. Maybe just all these public morals people are just douches. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Public morals. God damn it. Why, why are we still talking about them? Um, so. I still want that spin-off, Darbell. Public Morals on NBC. <laughs> right after Third Watch. <laughs> the reboot of Third Watch. It's Public Morals. Um... No. Uh-uh. <laughs> no, if you're going to reboot Third Watch, do it right, God damn it. Coming soon, the crossover <laughs> event you've all been waiting for. Third Watch meets Public Morals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, reboot of Third Watch. Not happening. No. Wish it would, but... Not happening. Uh, Carlos, there. I wonder if it. I wonder if it would work though. Eh, uh, I don't. Uh, I. I think I've just come to the conclusion that I don't ever kind of. It's never going to happen, and I kind of don't want it to happen. As weird as that sounds, it's kind of like as much as I love. I saw what happened with Twenty Four, and that's my second favorite show of all time. And that every single time they've tried to bring Twenty Four back, it just got significantly worse. So I don't want that to happen to Third Watch, and I feel as though. Who are you going to get come back for Third Watch? How are you going to get them all to come back to the 55th Precinct? You know what I mean? And it's just not going to work. And you're not you're not going to get Kim Raver to come back. You're not going to get Eddie Cibrian to come back. Although, I don't know, is Take-Two really going to come back for a second season? Probably not. Um, I mean, Michael Beach is doing pretty well on his own. Bobby Cannavale is dead anyway in this show. So, um, But, like, yeah, it's it, it, it will never happen. It will never happen. But, yeah, we can think about it as much as we like. Um... Yeah. So Carlos is at this adoption agency, I guess, trying to find out some information. And Carlos's luck just keeps getting worse because it turns out that the agency he was, uh, I guess, involved in burnt down and all the records were gone. <laughs> so completely destroyed. We find out that he was born in 1975. So uh, at this point, it makes him 28. Uh, so at the beginning of the show, that made him 24. Uh, which I don't know if it's ever... It's, it's not really a show where they mention a lot of ages, I feel, in this show. So, you know, that makes sense. Uh, Con- continuity, continuity error, although there may be some... De- although there's definitely a defense for this one. Um, 
in in season one, he says that he's born in he says that he's that he was born in seventy seven. Oh, because uh, because Doc, uh, they're fighting over this was they're fighting over Doc seeing Morales and and God, I, we miss Morales. Yeah, and uh, Doc was like, "What are we all of a sudden in the eighth grade?" And you called dibs. And and Carlos like, what the hell is dibs? Doc's like, what year were you born? He goes seventy seven. Uh. And although there there is some defense for that, I mean, Carlos didn't know anything about who he about who he was or his family or anything like that. So there is some there is some leeway there. I'll but, I'll let that off. But in this scene where they're questioning like where he comes from, is it not Carlos that says I was born in nineteen seventy five? Yeah. So it, to me, that's not an excusable thing because that would be a case where he would assume he was born in 1977, and then they say, "Oh, we've got a Carlos Nieto here that was born in 1975." So that's where he could be like, "Oh, okay. Well, I was just told I was born in 1977." Whereas to me, that's not an excusable thing because if he's going around now saying, "What what's changed in five years for him to all of a sudden add another two years to his age?" There's silence. I've stumped Darvell. <laughs> I'm glad you know, but in all seriousness, I'm glad you pointed that out because, like, as my point was just trying to say there, I feel as though it wasn't mentioned before, but it clearly was. So it's kind of like one of those things where, like, I don't know how much of a fan of Friends you are, but, like, there's all these forums and everything out there where they're basically, they nitpick all the issues with Friends and kind of, like, say, like, the continuity errors of it. And, like, there's about three different occasions where they say, like, you know, Rachel was born on this day. Like, they, they get all their ages wrong over ten seasons of Friends. So, I mean... It is a thing that happens a lot in TV shows, I think, when they forget their ages. Yeah. So, you know. and it, I'm not a... Go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say, I'm not a super fan of... I'm not a super fan of Friends. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not someone who has watched all ten seasons straight through. But, I mean, I'm, I'm a casual fan of it. I definitely recommend it. And it's definitely one show that I, I really hope we can cover on uh, the Oz Network one day. I'm a huge Friends super fan. But, um, yeah, I think... It's it's interesting that you kind of point that out, but I've just looked up. Anthony Rivabar was actually born in 1970, so you know both times he's uh, playing younger people. So there you go. Um, it's it's interesting. Sometimes you just think they should just go ahead and say like, um, you know, oh they were born in the year that the actor was born, then that way you would never forget. But I guess that wouldn't have worked because then that would have made him 29 when he started as a paramedic, and you know he was obviously. Uh, playing a much younger person uh, on screen. So, anyway, slight continuity error. But um, Carlos remembers... um, Is this where he remembers a woman that he once grew up with uh, and then they find out her name and then they give an address of kind of who this woman might be? Uh, So, you know, at least getting some breadcrumbs, essentially, as they're going on there. Uh, So Bosco and Munro are now going to go in and um, see Nardo for the first time. They talk about getting coffee and a biscotti. I do love as soon as they walk in that a bunch of, like, guys get up and leave as soon as they see the cops. Um, And then we meet (laughs) Ali Nardo for the first time, played by Nick Totoro. 
Turturro. Yes, yeah. Turturro. Who, Turturro, yes. Again, gone on to do a few different things. He's been in movies and TV shows. He's kind of like one of these ones who you just see and you're like, oh, yeah, I know who he is. Um, according to this, he's probably best known for being in NYPD Blue where he would play the detective James Martinez. Never really watched NYPD Blue, so I couldn't really tell you um, that. Classic cop drama. But uh, I, I know he was in Blue Bloods for at least a couple of seasons, wasn't he? He played uh, a sergeant working with... Uh, Jamie, didn't he, for a while? Like, that's who he was? Yes, yes. The first, the first six seasons, at least, and I think he made have, I think he may have made a few appearances in, in season seven, but I don't think he made any in eight, and he obviously hasn't been in season nine. Yes. But yeah, he was Jamie's, he was Jamie's, Sergeant. Yeah, he's been, it's been a while since we've seen him, but I, I liked him in Blue Bloods. Um, but I mean, he, he makes four appearances in Third Watch, so, uh, this is the first of four. And kind of, we meet him, and he's a good actor, Nick Turturro. He, like, he, he, he plays kind of this role very, very well, and kind of sees, yes. sees Bosco, and again, starts dropping some Italian, um, and kind of, obviously, he's a little bit, uh, being a bit racist in terms of, what does he say, like, six you with that Molly Yarn or whatever? And he's kind of like, if you're talking about that New York City police officer over there, we've got a problem. Um, <laughs> and, yep. and he's basically telling him to leave uh, the other family alone, uh, otherwise we're going to have a problem. So, uh, yeah, kind of just setting this scene here and uh, Bosco getting angry again. I've kind of been implied that just because he's Italian, that, you know, he should know all this sort of stuff. Um, we've got Carlos and Doc showing up to uh, this woman's house and uh, just Carlos is taken aback straight away because Carlos... Um, you know, he, he's like, I didn't think I would recognize you, but I do. Um, and just again, great acting here from Anthony Rivervar, just as sort of the facial expressions. Uh, and then we find out that this woman's had over a hundred children, so it's going to struggle for her to possibly remember who Carlos was. So Carlos is sort of saying like, this is when I would have been here. Um, and she invites them in to kind of go through some things. So again, I really just I wonder who played her. That's a problem. Sorry. That's all right. I, I can quickly look that up. I do... I just like this whole um, storyline that they're doing, really. Um, just kind of what they're doing with it. Is it Lucinda Harding? Is that her name? Yes. That's the that's the character's name. So the actor was Lila or Layla Danette. Uh, Third Watch actually turned out to be her very last appearance. She sadly passed away in 2012, but... I, 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 I say sadly loosely, and you're going to wonder why that sounds a bit of a dick move, Ben, but she was 103 when she died. Good on you, Layla. What an innings. That's great. Like, that is fantastic. Yeah, and, and the fact that, and the fact that, I mean, she's, she's, she was still, so this would have put her at maybe 90, 91. Uh, still working, still working at that age. Nine, Major props to you there. 94, actually, she would have been. Um, no, 95. Hang on. No, 94. She was born in 1909. So, yeah, 94. Uh, good for you. This is her last ever acting role before she died. So she obviously, uh, I guess, yeah. retired from acting or became unwell or something like that because she still lived for another nine years after this. So uh, good on you, Layla. Great innings. Yeah, God bless you, Layla. Indeed. But, uh, we, we like her. But uh, we cut back. Uh, we are at a fire now. Uh, we've got our, uh, fire, the laundry truck has been completely burnt out and, uh, Bosco and Munro are showing up and they're kind of obviously, you know, a bit sad that this has happened. And, um, we see a body, 
uh, has, uh, is there, it's burnt out. And then, of course, they pose a question, which one is it, the father or the son? So kind of giving us a mid-episode cliffhanger. Who's it going to be? Um, we then back to the uh, little old lady again here. Uh, who, uh, sorry, we'll call her Lucinda. She's going through the, uh, folder with Carlos and she's saying, like, I never wanted to get too attached. Uh, and then she finds a photo, like, this might be you here. And we see, like, a picture of, um, Carlos and they used to call the kid Cups. Uh, and I do like Doc's reaction. Like, as much as Doc is kind of, you know, cray-cray Doc, I do kind of like some of the stuff he does in these episodes when he's trying to help out Carlos and calls him uh, Cups. What does it? What does the, the woman say? Like, he was always on his own, a little bit self-indulged. And the way Doc's kind of like, oh, you've come a long way, Cups. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See that that's the that's the that's the doc we know. Yeah, that's the doc we know right there. Yeah, exactly. Because he, yeah, that's the kind of thing he'd say. Yeah, I, I just I just as much as Doc is going cuckoo la la to use last week's phrase, there are de- <laughs> there are definitely elements to kind of where he does shine through every now and then, doesn't it? Doesn't he? Yes. Um. But, I mean, it's just, it's a fun little, it's a nice little scene and they kind of go through this folder, uh, and then she sort of talks about how that this little boy was brought to her by the Red Cross, um, because the father was killed in a car accident and they've got a newspaper clipping basically showing, uh, of that uh, accident and that they, he was found holding the father's hand essentially. So it's a bit of a sad background, isn't it? I mean, not that Carlos' yeah. background wasn't already sad, but this just is, it's kind of sad at the end, even more sad, isn't it? Yeah. And, you know, it's no wonder that he's largely blocked a lot of his life out. Yeah, exactly. And what, what does he, she say? Like, she was like three or he was like three or something when she was brought in. So, I mean, would you remember? Three or four. Yeah, I don't, you wouldn't really remember a lot of that, really. I mean, I think maybe my first memory I was three, but um, I don't remember a whole lot. I, it depends. It depends. There are some things that for some, for what, and it it depends on who you are, too, but there are some things that, that definitely that can definitely stand out in your mind. Yeah, I'm, from yeah. from a really young age like that. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one because like it's kind of like you think about it as hard as you can, and you can probably pinpoint certain things. But um, I I definitely remember being three and about to turn four and getting really excited and running around the house going, I'm about to turn four, I'm about to turn four, and I don't know why. Like, I mean, who wants to turn four? <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, back then our birthdays were a huge thing. I mean, I can remember. Uh, I remember a lot of, I remember quite a few things from when I was like two, two and a half, three, four years old, Mm -hmm. but that's, that's for when we're off air. Yeah. There you go. I look forward to it. Um, Bosco and Munro show up to the, uh, the laundry factory place and we're, you know, we're, who is it? Is it the son? Is it the father? Is it the son? Is it the father? It's the, the son is dead because the father is still here alive and, um, good acting here by uh the father just kind of his reaction like you know what's he done now i'll pay for this and kind of this is when he obviously realizes that um you know his son's dead and he kind of breaks down so powerful emotional little scene here um by by the dad and he really sells it oh definitely definitely does um and i'm trying to see what this guy's name is mr tansy senior Stephen randazzo um so very italian sounding name there uh he's been in a lot of things here on too apparently he was a reporter in the movie ali so uh there you go there's a bit of a fun trivia fact for you there playing at home um doc and carlos uh, in the ambulance, Carlos sort of talking about the fact that they wish they had taken a picture 
of his dad, so he knew what he looked like him, so he knew what he looked like. They pull up at a section, we find there's a news crew outside a playground with kids, and Doc has set this up, that he's called up, like, the local news to do a story about it that may go national. Doc, meanwhile, I, I love how Doc's, like, chewing gum. Like, this is kind of this, this to me is Doc changing. Doc going cuckoo la la, chewing the gum. Like, Doc just doesn't give a shit anymore. He's just like, yeah, man, I'm chewing the gum because I'm cool. I used to chew gum all the time. I was addicted to it, but it's, I've grown out of that phase. Um, so this woman essentially is saying that we're here to tell your story, uh, and if we pull the right strings, it will go national. Uh, this is where we can use the power of television for good. So for the one rare occasion in Third Watch that TV crews or journalists aren't assholes. Here we go. I was waiting. I was waiting for that. I was waiting for that. <laughs> Yeah, when I was when I was watching that this morning, um, I was right when we got right when it got to that scene. I was like, I was like, okay, I, when we get to that, I will just sit back, listen to Ben talk about it, and see what he says. <laughs> but I mean, even because I was like, go ahead. I, I was because I because I, I was like, I wonder what he was going to say. I mean, the the one thing I was really just going to say is that like the way that they have to go out on a limb and say like, oh, we can use TV for the power of good again, basically implying that oh, guess what, we're assholes usually, but for this time we're going to be good. <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, uh, Munro and Bosco are in the precinct. They're talking about how they're going to be going after Nardo. Um, for kind of what happened here, and it's kind of going to be obvious. We cut back to Carlos, who's uh, being interviewed about this situation, and so he's basically saying that I need help. She needs a bone marrow transplant. You know, I don't want anything else. You know, I don't have any family out there, so, you know, please come in and donate uh, and get yourself tested, because otherwise she will die. Uh, and I do like the the way the woman is, like, live with Carlos Nieto. Uh, just sort of her, the way she concludes that off. Um we have uh, Bosco and Munro show up to Nando's place, uh, Ali Nardo's place of business. Sorry, and the Nando's. Da- Yum. Uh, the dad is, <laughs> the dad is uh, going off at uh, Ali there, and uh, sort of you know just absolutely screaming at him essentially. Uh, and then uh, Ali basically just goes off at him and says, like, go back to your one-bedroom apartment. He pulls out a gun, that's uh, the father, and tries to shoot him, and then uh, Ali Nardo wants him arrested um, because, you know, he's a bit of a snake and a bit of an asshole. And, um, yeah, so we're kind of setting that up. And we're back at the firehouse. Carlos and uh, uh, Doc come back, and Jimmy has been taking a bunch of messages uh, for people who are all wanting to uh, help find uh people for transplant as well as uh some of carlos's family so the story has gone national because uh jimmy's like look at some of those um area codes we've got dc and florida can i just point out i love it when jimmy says like all sorts of people have called up women private investigators wanting to help and again if anybody has watched take two with eddie sibrian you would know that he played a private investigator um so maybe that's why he went on and played a he got a ticked in his head after this episode he's like hey i want to play a private investigator <laughs> yep. And by the way, you mentioned that show earlier in the recording. I'm just just throwing this out there. I think it was cancelled. Oh, was it? Oh, what a shame. Uh, <laughs> look, it, it wasn't that bad. It was just very cheesy and like it just it. I think it was more Rachel Bilson's acting ability made Eddie Cibrian seem like a bad actor. <laughs> So, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, for some reason, stuck through the entire series to watch it. I don't know why. I got about five episodes in and go, this isn't going to get any better. But I just don't like giving up on things like that, so I just kept watching it. Right. Um, but I'll tell you one thing, Eddie Cibrian, he, he 
getting better looking with age. Like, you know, Mallory watched it, agreed, he's a very attractive man. But, uh, you know, he's got a bit of grey hair in uh, this show and, uh, you know, shirtless every four episodes as you've got to have in these episodes, shows nowadays because you can objectify men and not women. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, what a shame. It's been cancelled. Uh, take two, not coming soon to the Oz Network. <laughs> The the parents, the the father and the mother are back at the um, precinct and essentially, you know, saying that you're responsible for this, the amount of police reports that we filed on him, you never did anything, you know, you, the death of him is, death of our son is on your hands. Um, we've got Carlos uh, back in the firehouse, ringing back all the messages, um, and he hangs up on a person because he's being told he's uh, being punished for not accepting Jesus in his life. <laughs> oh. Okay, he does. He doesn't. Whoever that, whoever that crackpot is, he doesn't speak for all of us. Um, Just saying. Doc goes home. Carlos said he's got to go um, through all the calls still, so he's got plenty of time to be there. We get a little weird montage in the middle of the episode, kind of like a. It's not really even a song, is it? It's just kind of like just some uh, music being played. We've got Bosco parked outside Nardo's restaurant, writing down number plates and watching people as they go in and out of the, the restaurant. Uh, we've got Carlos crossing people off the list. We've got uh, the the guy who's uh, the son who was killed, sort of his morgue, a uh, shot of him in the morgue. Um, and then we've got... Uh, we cut back to Carlos, who answers the phone call... Um, it's a woman, and she claims to be his mother. Uh, Carlos, baby, this is your mother. So, um, yeah, it's kind of like, ooh, here we go. I remember watching this for the first time thinking, wow, this is, like, great. We've got Carlos's mother. Like, you know, this is a pretty big deal. But, uh, obviously, it's going to go a certain direction, uh, very soon. Um, and I guess after that, we've got Bosco... Um, showing up to, uh, oh no, sorry, Nardo shows up, doesn't he, to the precinct and tries to yes. give Bosco a chocolate calion, your favourite or something like that. Uh, and then basically going off at him saying about how, you know, you try to cannoli. Kill cannoli. Um, yeah, chocolate cannoli. Uh, and then saying that, uh, you forgot to put attempted murder on the report of the dad, and he's saying, like, oh, I'm not going to do this, and basically kicks him off. It kicks him out of the precinct, saying, if you're not here on official business, leave. Um, and then they sort of threaten him, saying, like, if the dad nicks himself shaving, you're done. <laughs> so I kind of like the way they threaten him there. Um, Carlos is getting dressed up. He's getting ready to go to the airport, saying that he arrives at 7. Carlos is super nervous. Levine is going to be covering for Carlos. And then Carlos sort of, you know, talking to Levine, saying, like, hey, it's kind of weird. It felt like I knew her. Uh, and this is kind of almost like the first nice scene between Levine and Carlos, isn't it? Because Levine is kind of like, you know, it's so nice. Like, it's so exciting. Um, yep. And, yeah, so Carlos is going to go to the airport and uh, try and meet her. Nothing could go wrong here at all, could it, uh, Darvell? I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, nothing nothing possibly. Not at all. Uh, Bosco and Munro are talking no. to Swirsky. They're telling him of the plan that they're going to go and try and get Nardo. That's setting that up. Um, and then they show up to the uh, the restaurant. First point of call, they've got two young kids who are like 14. He sends them home and finds out that, uh, you know, it's illegal to have children that age working after sundown. And this is, I think, kind of where it pays off that Bosco's been a real by-the-books person this episode, isn't it? Because he's writing up Nardo for a bunch of tickets, essentially. Um, 
the fire the fire crew also show up. We see them pull up outside the window. Uh, meanwhile, Carlos is at the airport. He's very nervous. I like how kind of like he's buttoned up his jacket. He puts on his hat, takes off his hat, puts on on, takes it off. Um, just waiting for his mother to come off the plane. We've got Jimmy and Walsh and DK and all the fire crews showing up, doing a fire inspection, um, you know, check everything is up to code. I do like how Nardo's kind of like, you guys got time for this? And uh, Jimmy's kind of like, oh, slow night. And this is like one of those rare occasions where it's kind of like Jimmy and Bosco are working together. And, uh, yep. you know, is this maybe the last time we ever kind of see these two, I guess, even in a Yes, I think together? so. Yeah. Unless the unless the end of Black and Blue, wait, are they together at the end of Black and Blue? Oh, yeah, no, you might be right. I think he does. Yeah, um, possibly. possibly. I mean, they may not they may not like have any lines traded back and forth, but I'm pretty sure they are. Um, they do appear in a scene together at the end of Black and Blue. Yeah, it's. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you're right. But just harking back to season one, like, I just loved the sort of the Bosco Jimmy stuff we got in season one and even in season two, like, in After Hours and just everything. Like, I just... Bosco and Jimmy just work well together, kind of, because they hate each other. And it's just... I kind of wish we had have had more of them sort of doing stuff off each other. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, meanwhile, at the, the, basically, Nardo is, you know, being pinned for so many different things here. Um, he's saying that, uh, this, you know, everything will be, uh, put against me, all these, uh, crimes, all these sort of things that I've been, uh, charged here for. I'll be on South Beach tomorrow, uh, but all these violations against him. And, uh, you know, Bosco basically is kind of like, you know, hey, you know, you're going to go away for a long time. You know, we're going to be Goomba buddies. We're going to know each other a lot. Um, I, I do like his reaction. Uh, Carlos, meanwhile, is at the airport. He's sitting there by himself. All by, you know, his mother hasn't showed up. For some reason, Doc shows up. I don't know why. Here is, uh, Cuckoo Lala Doc still caring enough to show, um, Carlos. Uh, and then sort of Carlos is saying like, you look, you know, she's obviously gotten on the, uh, the next flight. You know, she's missed the first one. She could be on the next one. And this is where we find out that, uh, she sounded broke and that Carlos wired her a thousand dollars for a last minute flight. So, um, you know, it's kind of, this is where we start to get the feeling, uh oh, I think Carlos has been duped. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yep, I mean, come. Oh. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, I mean, and if it, well, we pretty much said it. So, I mean, if it was really his mother, would he have had to send her the money to come see him? I mean, come on, that's a red flag right there. It's definitely a red flag, but it could have worked. I mean, sure, things like that have happened before, and she's legitimately telling the truth. So, you know, like, yeah. Um... We have Munro and Bosco back in the precinct, um, and this is where Bosco sort of says, like, you know, I'm proud of my people. You know, my grandfather arrived in this country, was handed a broom and told to start sweeping and they made a living, um, you know, and then he's basically saying how people like Nardo and his dad and that sort of stuff screwed all over that and pretended to be wise guys, you know, and that we're always seen as being one step away from a mobster. Um, and I do kind of like the way Bosco is like, you name me one famous Italian cop. And then kind of Munro just looks at him and goes, Columbo. <laughs> and then it's just kind of like, ciao. <laughs> I do like that. It's, it's a nice little episode to kind of celebrate a bit of Bosco's heritage, which yes, know, it's done in a way, which is good. And then we close it out with the uh, Carlos still waiting. The flight, the next flight has come through. No one's on there. 
and then um, no one's shown up at all, and Doc kind of just ends it with, that's what you get, and then we've got a nice shot of uh, Carlos by himself in the airport watching a bag just go by on the carousel, and a bit of a sad way to end the episode. Yeah, I kind of thought that... I kind of thought that, I mean, that was kind of a dick thing for him to say. I, I guess... Even if it's true, yeah. in a way, it kind of was. I guess they've kind of got to show at least a little bit that Doc's still a bit of a dick, you know what I mean? Like, as much as it's kind of almost seen like this episode that, oh, maybe he's not that bad. Like, I don't know, like, it definitely is a dick thing for him to say. Uh, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, they've got to have a bit of Docness about him this season, so... Anyway, um, mm-hmm. that is the episode. A spirit grows in Brooklyn. Um, a ticket grows in a spirit. I'm thinking the next episode already. Shit. Yeah, the spirit is next. Don't remind me. Um, a ticket grows in Bo- already have, Brooklyn. <laughs> so yes, what are we doing with this episode? I'm torn again between a a, a low buy and a high rent. Mm-hmm. It's uh. Um, oh, let me think for a second. Um, I am going to buy this one, although it's going to be a low buy. Okay, and why is that? Don't know? I just completely lost... Fuck, I hate Mondays. I just completely lost my train of thought there. It's all good. I, I will say I'm renting this, kind of like a high rent, like it's... It's solid. There's nothing wrong with this episode. I feel like we haven't really complained much about this episode, but it's, it's again, it's no. not something that super stands out. Like, I mean, you know, the Nardo stuff is kind of fine that we kind of get brought up, but it's, I don't know. It's just not a super, super strong episode that you're going to be thinking about a long time. Like, the Carla stuff is a, is the stuff that is good in this episode, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's not super, super brilliant. So, uh, I'll put this at number 90 out of 98. Oh, wow, that's actually very low. Uh, but, yeah, I've, I, it's still a rent, and that's where how many rents we've kind of got there going in. But, uh, anyway, that's what we've got with that one. Next week, though... Oh, we have spirit. Oliver the Onion. Uh, we, have, <laughs> we have a whole fucking episode devoted to somebody trying to find an onion. Um, we have an annoying little girl... Who gets up my goat, annoys the shit out of me. Uh, I will say there are some good comedic stuff in this episode that I do appreciate, but it's essentially Third Watch's second and last Christmas episode, isn't it? Like, we don't get one in season six from memory. Um, no, I don't think so. So, but I mean, this is the most Christmas episode we get. I'd say this is even more Christmassy than the last one we had. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not a huge fan of this episode. <laughs> so, yeah. But uh, the saving grace is uh, the following well, we, week we get a great episode. So it's kind of only yeah. A well, we might, we might, we might differ there. We'll see. I, I definitely feel we will differ next week. So anyway, um, get your onions out and get excited because it's the spirit. Yay! Uh, in the meantime, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe on all our relevant channels, or on Instagram, email us at the website theoznetwork.net. If you want to find all these uh, other episodes as well as interviews we've done with cast members and everything else in between, we appreciate your support and thank you for tuning in for another week. My name is Ben. And back to you, Chuck. My name is Darvell, and while you're busy driving up revenue for the city, 
Officer Bloomberg, I'm going to take a stroll. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.